Good morning and welcome to Pastor Potluck. I'm Court Green at Canton First Baptist Church. This program is sponsored by Canton First Baptist Church. We hope you're doing well. Today, I want to bring you a program that is informational as well as helpful to you, hopefully, and we hope to inspire you and maybe entertain you along the way. Today with us, we have a collection of people here, and you'll get to know them all as we continue. But first, I want to introduce to you Officer Taylor from the Canton Police Department. Actually, I want to let you introduce yourself. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I'm Megan Taylor from Canton Police Department. Um, primarily, I work in investigations, but uh, Chief Gaddis has a huge heart for the community, so I do a lot of the community outreach as well. And when those things aren't going on, I'm on patrol. So, so she can, you can find her in her squad car, and you can find her all over the town. Often you go to schools, correct? I do. Mm -hmm. right. And so you ha you're out there, you're visible, you can be yes. seen and found. And I love to talk, so. Good. <laughs> you're going to be on the radio. You're in the right place. <laughs> Not only that, but um, she does have a kid in the same school as my kid when they have school. And so I get to see her a lot. And I, I don't even I, know what school is right now. It's, it's Meadowbrook. Oh, sorry. Right down there on the <laughs> other side of uh, No idea. There. I don't even know how to get there. Uh, uh, this homeschooling mode has kind of made us all a little crazy. Different, <laughs> yes. But my kids are actually thriving in Why it. don't we talk about that? So before I open the field for other questions, how has the everyone being at home affected your job as a police officer? Not so much your kids, but has everyone being stuck at home affected the way you guys operate? No, not necessarily. Um, we have precautions that are in place that we have to take just for, because we are out there and, you know, we can be running into coronavirus at any time. So we are careful to not pass anything that we have on to others. Um, but for the most part, I've kind of enjoyed it as far as my job because people are out with their families and they're around and I've been able to get out and meet people and as I said I love to talk so kind of just being visible in the community and being able to address some specific concerns that we don't normally have time to do when the roads are packed so um, it's I've actually kind of enjoyed it and I know not a lot of people are going to want to hear that but <laughs> I've been training for quarantine. I'm a hermit, so we're... <laughs> so it's the introvert's kingdom now. Yes, I love it. <clears throat> so I'm going to open up the table for anyone else that has a question for you. And, you know, as things pop up while you're talking, feel free to jump in. Be respectful, of course. But uh, before you ask a question, say your name. Don't go into detail about who you are. We'll get into that a little bit later. But right now, let's address our discussion with Megan, so that, I'm sorry, with Officer Taylor. <laughs> Megan's fine. So that we can get her uh, on to bigger and better things. One of the things I was thinking, oh, sorry, I'm Erin Rubel. <laughs> I'm the pastor at Plains United Methodist. And one of the questions that I had as I was um, thinking about us talking today is um, with most people being at home, um, and only leaving for essential matters like going to the grocery store and the drugstore and things like that. Um, I feel in general I'm less exposed to the needs of our community. And so, um, so since you are out there and you're visiting with folks and 
meeting people in their neighborhoods and things like that. What needs do you see in our community and um, how might our churches be um, equipped to help meet those needs? I think the one thing that I'm even seeing with, you know, people, my parents, people my parents' age is the fear of even going out for the non-essential thing or for the essential things. Um, Just kind of being afraid to go to the store or, you know, get anything that they need and not having someone be able to provide it for them. I've offered several times to run to the store for people, and of course they won't allow me to do it. But um, maybe that healthier people within the church being able to provide items for people that are afraid to go out. When we walked in here, uh, when Peter, who hasn't introduced himself yet, when he when he walked in, he was wearing a mask, and so I grabbed my mask, and I have a bag of masks. People in our church are making masks. We'll talk about that later. Um, then I realized how silly it was to be sitting in my office where I breathe all the time and wearing a mask, and so I took it off. However, um, she mentioned... Uh, people having worries and I'm sitting here looking at this mask so that's gotten me thinking what kind of things should people be doing or let me ask a different way because you're while you have some health training you're not a health professional uh, what kind of things do you see people doing that maybe you would say maybe don't do that or maybe you're driving by and you see people doing things and you're like these people are crazy (laughs) or what what kind of things as you patrol and encounter people on a day-to-day basis because you're out while everyone else is stuck at home so you see more people what advice would you on behalf of the station not the radio station the police at the station uh, give this is a hard one to answer because um, basically we all just have to do what we're told as far as washing our hands and Mm -hmm. things like that Um, maintaining social distancing of course Um, it's hard for me personally, because I I am essential. I've not really been touched by the quarantine yet. So as far as when I'm not at work, I'm at home. But um, it's hard for me to think when I'm going out to the grocery store that I should have a mask on or that I should have gloves on or something like that, because I, I I can't do that all the time at work. If I have to run out of my car and rush somewhere, I can't grab my N95 and put it over my face and put my gloves on before I go out and help this person, you know, that needs me immediately. Um, I would just say with the normal regulations that my advice as a police officer would be just to maintain, you know, cleanliness and just don't go out unless you have to. Lowe's does not count as essential travel. Are you sure? I'm sure. (laughs) I have been there once or twice, so I'm not going to lie, but all of Haywood (laughs) County is also there. Mm -hmm. It's the busiest place in the entire County. So we're not going to get them as a sponsor for this. No, but, obviously but I have made everybody that, at Lowe's mad. Are you saying that hometown hardware hometown is hardware essential? Is, yes. Actually, side note, yes, hometown hardware is provides a lot of things that uh, the community could benefit from without having to go to a place that's packed like Lowe's. So you don't they they can provide you with everything that Lowe's does except you don't have to go there and be there with everybody in there. So if you're listening, hometown hardware is the place to be. Uh, send your sponsor checks at Canton First Baptist Church. I will never be allowed in Lowe's again. I cannot believe I brought up Lowe's. I think that's interesting, though, because the cabin <clears throat> fever is real. Mm-hmm. And I know one of um, one of our kids not too long ago said, can we not just go to Walmart and walk around? Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, that's that's kind of the point, is that we only go when going is essential. 
So if you need something, get, get it, but don't just go to browse. <laughs> well, and honestly, too, I mean, it's a beautiful time of year, and it's amazing to be able to spend so much time with our family. So I can understand wanting to go out and start a garden or, you know, get the yard cleaned up. It's, we're never home with our husbands at the same time. Um, so I get it. I totally get it. And that's why I was at Lowe's. So anyway, just use the proper precautions. Just stay a little bit away from people. This is, my name is Peter Constantian, and I'm the pastor at Long's and Crusoe United Methodist Churches south of Canton. And, uh, you know, the, what you mentioned, uh, Megan, about uh, uh, fear being a real issue has me thinking about how this is a strange time in which we're trying to balance um you know, protecting respiratory health against, you know, mental health. And that, that's a struggle for a lot of people in our community. I think that is made worse um, by having to be in isolation. And I wonder, you know, uh, what, the, what you might recommend as far as, uh, you know, allowing people to have kind of social interaction without um, putting each other at risk. Um, from the you know from the coronavirus that kind of thing is there anything that people can do um, and still uh, yeah and still care for one another in this time I think so I mean uh, my my kids are doing the zoom things at school so they're able to be with their friends um, on that and we've got a neighborhood of friends uh, that right where we live a lot of kids where you know we're just making sure that we're watching them as they play but they're not allowed to be within six feet of each other which is really hard to do mm. when you've got that many children but um, my advice to my parents was number one there's nothing to be afraid of we're out here the, the essential people that are working first responders y'all are out here making sure that this is taken care of um, there's nothing to be afraid of. Just take the proper precautions. But I recommended to my parents just going and going for a walk, going to the rec park and just going for a walk. Uh, you can see plenty of people. I saw people the other day standing out next to the picnic areas yelling to each other across the parking lot, but they were obviously long lost friends that hadn't been able to see each other because of this. And it was actually really kind of heartwarming to see. Um, I knew that they were definitely benefiting from the conversation. I have a question. I'm, I'm James Marsh. I'm the pastor of Fincher's Chapel and Mount Zion United Methodist Church. During this time where people are, are quarantined at home and they're, have you seen any increase in domestic violence or, or uh, child abuse issues? Uh, what's, what's, what's this done to the crime in the community? Um, I've, I've been asked that question a few times, and I can't say specifically that there's been an uptick in anything. Um, it's Crime is very cyclical. It's a kind of a strange monster to explain, but um, you would think that in times like this that domestic violence would be up. I'm not personally noticing. I work daytime, so I'm not per personally noticing anything additional. Um, we have our normal amount. Um, my fear is the sexual violence against children um, that may or may not be happening in homes right now. I'm afraid that we're going to have to wait until some of these kids go back to school in mm -hmm. September um, to hear w some of the things that have happened during the quarantine. And that scares me, um, troubles me, makes me sad. And I keep an eye on, you know, as many families as I can, but you know, it's so secret. It's, you just don't know until they can be back with people that they trust.
So to clarify for anyone who might be listening, is that because there's no outsiders looking in? And at school, you can, a teacher, for instance, can maybe see a difference in a child or a child may trust the teacher and tell them? Mm-hmm. That's, that's how I've found it to be. Not every single time. Uh, but And sometimes another parent you know, will notice something and, of course, come to us. So I'm not saying that these things are happening to these children and you know, they have no one watching over them at all. Um, but yes, unfortunately, until they get back into school or church, um, or daycare or whatever, they just don't have kind of the, the checks and balances that our school provides. Well, then as a follow-up question, if someone, and I don't want to cause a panic, because just because, it, just because we don't know it's happening doesn't mean that it is happening. But in this time where we are isolated from school or church or daycares, if someone has noticed like a neighborhood child and they're worried, who should they call? Um, You can call the police department, whichever your jurisdiction, uh, the county or Waynesville or Clyde or here, Canton, um, and just do a welfare check. Um, There's not much that we can do besides knock on the door, um, but you know, we are trained for those things. And again, I'm not saying that those things are happening. It's just that sometimes after uh, summer or Christmas break, or there's sometimes an uptick in those accusations, whether they're true or not, um, and they all are investigated. Um, We have a a large working group in the county um, that's run by the care house. It's an MDT group, and we, uh, it's a confidential group where the officers that all work on these crimes, the sex crimes, they sit together with the Child Advocacy Center, and we go over name by name what we're working on, what's going on, how their counseling is going. Um, and we also address issues that the offender also may have. Um, so we have a really great, and that's still going on, we meet on Zoom meetings every other Thursday um, to do that. So anything that may be happening is still being addressed. It's just things that I worry a little bit about when this is all over. Um, Neglect, too, child abuse, neglect, things like that, people that don't have money to provide, mm-hmm. um, things for their children and they're too prideful to ask. Um, so, I mean, that could be another thing that I could notice and maybe make a recommendation to a local church that this family specifically has some needs. So you mentioned churches. Uh, I know that schools are providing meals. Mm-hmm. Are there any other community resources that you would like to highlight on behalf of the police department or just yourself? Oh goodness, I don't this is a bad question because I don't <laughs> want to miss somebody. There's so many amazing I mean, groups. You don't have to say all of them. No, there's just so many amazing groups. Everywhere I go uh, somebody is trying to help somebody else. Ellen Pitt is amazing and, and running around just providing food everywhere she can think to go and the harm reduction coalition is helping with the homeless issue and people that are coming out of jails and needing a place to stay and um, the child advocacy center is still working they're they're working flex hours but there's always a forensic interviewer there Um, and they're still providing child medical exams for things that are going on Um, and then the, the police departments of course you know we're just doing everything we can. It's actually, going back to what you said, Erin, the quarantine has kind of given us a unique opportunity to address specific needs that I don't 
I don't think we always have time to do. Um, there's only two officers usually working at a time. And if they're off doing this and we're not able to stop and talk to people in communities and stop at the soup kitchen or, um, you know, come to the, the things that you guys have at the church. So it's been kind of nice to be able to, like, meet one-on-one with people. And we all have plenty of time to talk. So it's <laughs> it's really been kind of interesting. I've, I, I know I'm going to get persecuted for it, but I, I kind of love it. I kind of love the quarantine. <laughs> this is Peter Constantian again. And you've mentioned the care house in, in Waynesville a couple of times. Uh, would you recommend we get in touch with them and see how we can help and support them and maybe we can have them on the show they're amazing um yes savannah clark uh is the director of the care house and she has a group of women working under her that are just incredible and i've learned so much from um doing a lot of the investigation stuff at the office and um anytime i have any kind of question they just they're just a wealth of knowledge and they sit on the different MDTs in town as well like the domestic violence meeting uh, task force mm-hmm. with me um, so we're kind of they're plugged into everything they really are a pretty pretty amazing group and they have to hear some really terrible things yeah. daily and they just do it with such grace and efficiency and they're really great you've mentioned MDTs a few times can you tell us what that stands for um, yeah, off the top of my head, no, probably shouldn't have mentioned that. <laughs> multidisciplinary. Yes, that's it, team. Right. Yes, multi. That's what I meant to say multidisciplinary team. <laughs> so, uh, Court Green here. I am not just the pastor of Canton First. I'm also the chaplain for the police department, which means that I hear acronyms all the time, <laughs> and I never know what they mean. And so, uh, I, I've learned to just ask. <laughs> Megan, is there anything else that you want to say? I want to let you go. As no, as, you're fine. Um, as soon as you feel like you've said everything you want to say. Um, I'm here for however long y'all need me. So. She anyway. says that, but her phone's been blowing up. The, the dispatch time. keeps calling me, and they probably think I'm dead somewhere, but I swear I told her I was coming here. <laughs> so I just texted my chief really quick to let him know I was fine. And He's I'm the one that sent you here. I know. I just wanted him to go into dispatch and tell them I was fine. Okay. Does anyone have any more questions or anything they want to say with Officer Taylor? Can we pray for you and your colleagues? Yes, absolutely. I would love that. Father, we lift up to you Megan and Sean and all of those working for the Canton Police Department and our local firefighters and our EMS workers as they put their lives at risk every day, but even more so now as they go out and answer the call, even at great personal risk. And with such grace and professionalism as we've seen today here with Megan. And we ask, Lord, that you would encompass them about with your warring angels and and give them a hedge of protection that they would be safe, both in mind and body and spirit. And, Lord, that you would take them home every day safely to their families, carrying nothing with them but love for their families. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Go ahead. Um, just in closing, I just wanted to thank you all for having me here. Um, and just a, a word to the community is, um, you know, we we become police officers for whatever reason drives each of us. And mine was obviously a God reason, but um, it was inexplicable any other way. But um, we're not afraid of this. We're not afraid to be out here. We're not afraid to answer calls. We're not afraid to run to the grocery store and get you a gallon of milk. So please know that... 
um, we're out here and we're taking care of you and it's dark from up there and not knowing, you know, what's happening out here and whatever, but um, we are here to help, so please feel free to reach out. Um, it's kind of been a pleasure to be able to connect with people in this time, so I'm there Monday through Friday, eight to four, just give me a call. <laughs> well, I will speak for the group, but this is my first time ever recording a radio show, so what do I know? But I think that you've done an excellent job. Oh, thank that. you. Amen. Thank you. I hope thank I still you. have a job, Chief. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. We'll let you go, and then we'll move on to other matters. Thank you. No problem. Thanks, Thanks so Thanks. much, Megan. Peter Constantian, who is with Longs and Crusoe Methodist Churches, um, is going to move so that next time he talks, you can hear it. He's going to take the seat that Megan was in. We can actually swap chairs if you want, so if you don't want to get catch Megan germs. But you don't have to. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. That's all right. I'm not too worried about it. Now I can hear you, uh, and because he was sitting behind the microphone which means something different than what you generally hear on the, on the radio. Usually when a radio person says behind the mic, they mean In front speaking of it. directly into it. <laughs> but he was speaking into the back of it. So we're going to shift things. Uh, and by the way, she mentioned her story and how she became a cop was obviously a God reason. I would have loved it if she would have shared that story. And maybe if we we'll continue doing this for a long time, time yeah, we can, we can hear more about that story. Um, before we continue and move into uh, Bible stuff and theology stuff, I think she might be looking for a bathroom. Can you see if she needs anything? Um, I don't know what the bathroom is. Before, it's <laughs> down the hall. before we continue and move on to theological matters, I'm going to uh, say one thing. This radio um, endeavor is really uh, just our effort to give our local pastors a way, another way to connect with their church members, with the community at large, to let them know the various things that we're doing and to let them know that we care about them and to give you, you know, hope and to talk about matters that are going on. That said, we're planning on doing it, um, you know, for the, direct, the duration of all these restrictions. So I am not thinking that this is gonna be an all year long thing, but who knows? So uh, let us know if you enjoy the program. Let us know what you'd like to see on the program, and we'd certainly love to hear from you. Uh, I will, at the end, put some contact information, and we can go from there. All right, so today we are going to be looking in the book of Acts. Did you guys select who's going to be our reader today? I can read. Uh, Peter Constantian. Oh, we were going to do introductions, but then you guys all introduced yourselves already. So... <laughs> Uh, I guess we can just breathe past that. Mm -hmm. But Peter Constantine is going to be reading from the book of Acts, and I hope that it comes through as clearly as it does in this room, but I think it will. It's a pretty decent microphone. If you're reading along with us, uh, please turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, and we'll be reading verses 42 through 47. I'm reading from the Common English Bible, but uh, whatever translation you have in front of you will do. Listen now for the word of the Lord. The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. 
All the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Every day they were met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. The Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. Thank you very much, uh, Peter. And as we begin talking about these verses, I want to bring up something that was mentioned the last time we talked about these verses, yesterday. <laughs> and it was mentioned by Reverend James Marsh. And what he said was to talk about uh, how often people want to bring these verses up to talk about mm -hmm. communism slash socialism. And so without causing too much of a political panic, because this is not going to be a political show, mm -hmm. uh, I do want you to talk about that some more. Uh, yeah, I, I had, uh, as I led lectionary yesterday, just happened to be my turn, and so I had given a lot of thought to uh, questions that would stimulate conversation. And I thought about this, how uh, often people will point to these verses and misuse them and say, see there, see there, socialism is is the way we should go, and, and uh or communism even and we wanted to make an observation in these verses that this is the organic very beginning of the church and this is not a political system this is not a uh, governmental system this was how naturally people who had accepted the Holy Spirit into their heart who had accepted Christ and now had the Holy Spirit living in them this is how they naturally wanted to to operate and none of this was compulsory it's a misinterpretation of this to say that everyone sold all their stuff and, and lived in a commune, because that's not really what it's saying here. It's saying that it's more, in fact, I used yesterday the illustration, it's more like they would give you the shirt off their back. That people were, were seeing human suffering, feeling compelled in their heart to uh, respond and take action, and so they saw everything they owned as is this is really God's and they would sell their property, sell their possessions or give their possessions to somebody else who needed it. And it, was a, uh, it wasn't a political system, I guess is the, the bottom line. So, so for me, um, when I read scripture, um, I often see how, um, how God has changed people, um, how an encounter with the living Lord um, and the Holy Spirit really changes who we are as a people. And I think our natural human instinct is to survive, is to look out for ourselves and our own families. And um, But I think because of Christ, because of his sacrificial love for us, um, he places in our hearts, he changes our DNA to some extent to make us more concerned about the other. Mm -hmm. So to me, this is um, an example of what, what our lives can look like um, when we embody Christ, when we allow the Holy Spirit to work with us and through us, that we do see the possessions that God has given us as, as not ours, but as God's, and to use those in a way that benefit um, the we more than the eye. So in a way to sum up what you guys are saying, 
simply be the Spirit leads believers to the conclusion that God's desire is for neighbor to help neighbor. Amen. That is the greatest commandment. Following follow-up question. How have you guys seen this in your local areas of ministry? I'll start because I asked the question. Okay. Uh, in front of everybody here are bags of masks mm-hmm. that our church members have made. And they're, uh, we're not the only church that's doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we, we, we've been making these masks, and we're not making them keep. And I think the, the crux of this is it's not about what you can hoard and hold and keep for yourself. It's about seeing a need, addressing a need, and sharing the solutions, mm-hmm. or at least sharing aid mm-hmm. with others. Um, and so, you know, these are going out to the community kitchen. They're going out to the, we took a bunch to one that you would never think about, the sanitation department, mm-hmm. because they're breathing in all the stuff we throw away with our, with our yeah. spit on it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of gross. But anyway, uh, so there, there's so many different ways. What are you guys seeing? you guys what are y'all seeing uh, as far as neighbor helping neighbor I think um, one of the things that I'm seeing um, on a personal level and on a communication level is just people checking in on one another being intentional about making those phone Mm -hmm. calls and especially to those who we know are lonely or isolated Um, maybe those who've recently lost loved ones um, or are older and live alone and don't have the support network and kids at home to drive them crazy. Um, you know, just reaching out to them and being intentional about that. Um, and another thing that I've experienced that's been really wonderful is usually on Thursday afternoons, I've um, been participating in a clergy group. Um, it's a variety of folks from um, all over the county and um, we really spend a lot of time sharing information about what's needed. It's how I learned that the masks were something that was necessary. Um, and then the willingness um, that people have to help. Um, we went out to the community kitchen um, yesterday and um, Chris Jennings and Allison were telling us that um, because of the meat sale yesterday, they're overwhelmed with chicken, hmm. but they still need pork and beef, and that their dry goods are down to about 5% of what they are or what they need um, because so many people are in need. And I know that First Baptist here is going to do a food drive next week. Um, the Every year, the Postal Service does the um, canned good pickup, the second Saturday in May, and that's been canceled. And so um, they are desperate. And so I know that just putting out the word, people are going to respond. And they want to be helpful and do absolutely anything and everything they can. Erin, would you give us the details again about that food drive and and how we can help the community kitchen? I'm going to let Court do that because um, they're the ones kind of heading up this here at First Baptist. So there will be a food drive, and it seeks, because of the outside nature of it, it seeks to address that 5%, the dry goods that are they need 95% more. Um, the community kitchen is going to bring its trailer to Canton First Baptist Church now, there's two parking lots, one on either side, so it's going to be the downhill side. And they're going to park that trailer there, and it's going to be open between the hours of 10 and 2 on 
Monday, April, May, May 4th. What month is it? <laughs> May 4th. On Monday, May 4th <laughs> until uh, Monday, May 11th. Is that a Monday or Sunday? It's That's a Monday. Monday. Mm -hmm. So it'll be there all week. And every day there will be someone from the community kitchen between 10 and 2 who will be there to receive the goods that you have. Please, this is not a, just a Canton First Baptist effort. This is a community effort. We just happen to have a centrally located parking lot. So if you have items that you can bring, then please do so. The need is great mm -hmm. because, and I tried to explain this to some of my church members last night on our Zoom meeting, but a lot of churches, will, like, like what we do, we come with a plan and we, if they don't have the things that we're planning to use to make the meal that we're going to make that night, we just buy it. But not all churches can do that. Not all volunteers should do that. And it shouldn't be on the volunteers to do that because if it was, they wouldn't volunteer. And so what we, what we see is uh, a lack of food because of the inter, uh, both the increased need and the interruption to the food supply chain. Mm -hmm. That makes it harder for volunteers and then you may end up with less volunteers it's already difficult to find volunteers because everything's changed and people are nervous and so you, you can you can if you're care if you're not careful you can end up with this perfect cons uh, storm of compounding problems and maybe that's what we have but we certainly have the food shortage going on mm. and we're starting to feel that in other ways but the community kitchen really relies on a couple things. Number one is overruns of food production. Number two is just generosity. And with shortage, both of those things tend to fall short. And so do what you can. If you do go to the store or if you have someone go out for you and they can pick up something extra or you can pick, it, pick up something extra that is a dry good, that is something that could be useful, think about bringing it back. I'll, I'll make the announcement one more time. May 4th through the 11th, the Canton First Baptist downhill parking lot right outside of our fellowship hall from 10 to 2 every day. The community kitchen trailer, just drop off your dry goods. This is Peter Constantian again, and, and I just want to say that, um, you know, it, it doesn't, it, it, this is not a Christian response either. This is a Canton wide response. Community. Um, and I think all of us, uh, no matter who we are, what our backgrounds are, feel compelled by something when we see need, when we hear about need, to respond. Uh, but to bring it back to the scripture, and because uh, many of those who are tuning in today, much of our audience is uh, coming from a Christian background or at least familiar, uh, I just want to uh, highlight in this passage that we read today how the Holy Spirit is really compelling this early Christian community to give up of what they have in order to, to create the community um, of the kingdom of God that is coming into the world. Uh, the three things that we kind of cling to as our own, uh, we'll, call, we'll call them, I'll take this phrase from Willie Jennings, the trinity of possessions will be our time, our talent, and our treasures. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me that in this time that we're in right now, a lot of us may have more time um, than we were expecting to have. And that, you can see, is a, a way of giving that uh, by making masks for people. And that's also giving of talent. Um, but for those of us who, who do have um, food and, and other things that we can give, uh, treasures, that is, 
this is an opportunity, and I, I hope that you will feel like, as we do, that the Holy Spirit is motivating this community to really um, re- reach out and to care for those in need during this time. Uh, I believe that that, uh, that the Holy Spirit work continues even today. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm grateful that we have this example here in the, in the book of Acts, um, where the really the beginnings of our Christian community came from, uh, that, that in a time of need, you know, when these people were not sure where their next meal would come from, uh, that they were able to rely on one another. So mm-hmm. I just want to encourage all of you Christians out there who are listening in, or, or, those, or any of you residents of Canton, that, um, that, that, that we do have need in our community even so, and maybe even more so, today and in the days ahead and uh, I just ask that you would you know find a way to respond and listen to the the call of the Holy Spirit at this time so a common theme that I'm hearing from all of our pastors here is creativity everything's changed we've got to get creative we look at the book of Acts we see how they changed and got Mm -hmm. creative to meet needs and we're challenged to do the same thing I think about that and I then think about churches most of us did not plant. Now, I'm surrounded by Methodists right now. And you guys had a directive from on high. that, So you knew before I did. It was not until the night before we were going live that we knew we were going live. Um, by which I mean me preaching to a camera. Church changed overnight for yeah. me. The way that we deliver the message changed the way that people receive the message changed. Thinking about these verses, how all of this came from sudden change. Mm-hmm. Because Jesus, they were people were following Jesus. Jesus was crucified. He was gone. Mm-hmm. The disciples were hiding. Church consisted of one room. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, there's the, the spirit moves and, and things start to happen. Everything was changing rapidly. How are your churches, and I'll, I'll let you guys go first and then I'll I'll finish the conversation because I've been selfish and I've been answering all the questions first. How have your churches responded to such change? And I specifically want, you don't have to, but I I specifically would like to hear answers that give you hope, that give you Mm -hmm. encouragement or excitement. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll speak into that. So, uh, you know, and I really admire pastors who are of an older generation who for them, technology is not a comfortable thing and had to start from scratch. You know, I, the technology was already comfortable to me. Um, and as soon as this started to happen, I began to think about uh, how can I reach each person? And I knew that a good part of the people I could reach by live streaming on Facebook. But I also knew that there were people in, in my congregations who will never, who don't have the internet, who will never embrace the internet. Uh, so I, I set up a way for them to call in by GoToMeeting, or you can use Zoom, and they can call on their phone. Huh? Don't hit the table. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I talk with my hands for anybody who knows me, and I've been uh, pounding the table as I talk. But, uh, and then I knew that still there were some that that's just too much uh, change, and so I uh, also record it and make DVDs, and I deliver them to each of the churches. And, you know, everybody knows in small churches that everybody has a key. So, you know, I, I've been delivering those. Uh, the other thing that I've seen happen that, re- well, let me speak more into that. So 
one of the things that surprised me that everybody at this table has had the same experience is normally there's about 50 people in the two churches that I serve on a Sunday morning. But I've got 100, 150 people that are watching every week. Some of the, I see the same people popping up on the feed. And so the gospel is going out, I think, like never before Absolutely. in ways beyond anything. And so there's a whole, a whole segment of society we haven't been reaching before that we're reaching now. And uh, the other thing I've seen that really excites me is in the churches, they have identified people who are normally on the edge anyway of poverty, some of them already in poverty, and they have made sure that they don't go hungry. They have taken their, went and picked up their food boxes and taken it to them. Uh, they've made sure that their lights didn't get cut off, that they had minutes on their phone. And as I think about the people in those two churches nearly every single one of them has done something to help one of these families in our midst and they're also reaching out to to those elderly people who are alone who are widowed or widowers and a phone call means everything sorry i beat the table again so uh not to hog the mic what about you guys well, um, I have seen I have several signs of hope that I could point to during this time, uh, but I want to go back to uh, court what you said about you know when the order came out. I mean, it was a shock for all of us, no matter when we heard and from whom we heard, uh, whether from uh, our bishop in the Methodist Church or uh, even from the governor. You know, and the phrase that was used was the suspension of public worship. I don't know if you've ever heard anyone use that phrase, but um, it's occurred to me that actually what's happened is a little bit of the opposite. Not mm -hmm. Public worship hasn't been suspended. Mm -hmm. It's been expanded. Mm -hmm. Because um, while our Sunday morning church services have been public services, anyone can, can come through those doors. Um, in a sense, you know, over time, th that has become a little bit of a, of a, a private space over time or at least a space that's comfortable to a certain group of people over time and in smaller churches it tends to be folks who are related to one another or from the neighborhood and uh, and so um, the public aspect of our churches um, has um, actually expanded rather than su been suspended during yes, this time absolutely because being forced to go online uh, via Zoom or Facebook Live or recorded sermons has put uh, church services and sermons in the public space in a way that I don't think we've ever seen before. I mean, this may be true for, for uh, many of our churches, but my church is, uh, you know, we're holding out on a traditional way of worship, a way of worship that I love. But there was no plan any time to, to, to have the sermons or the... Um, or the services online. Uh, we have a beautiful form of worship uh, that, you know, with hymns that date back hundreds of years. But in this time, we have had to find a way to bring that to our members and to our attendees in a form that is accessible to them. Mm -hmm. uh, but that has led to more people um, than ever uh, being able to uh, tune in to our services. So I have family members from other states, uh, people who uh, come up to the Blue Ridge area for the summer um, from places like Florida and South Carolina 
who um, are not able to travel at this time have been able to tune into our services. Um, and, uh, and so that, that's, a, that's definitely a hopeful sign that we are able to draw together and maintain connection even as we are quote-unquote suspended uh, from publicly worshiping. We are actually expanding public worship, and, and I praise God for that. And, I was just thinking along those lines, too, that um, every church is doing things a bit differently. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the beauties that, and the wonders that has come out of this is just the sheer amount of grace, that there isn't one right way to do things that um, I talked to someone um, just a week or so ago, and no one in their small church had internet. So he was writing his sermon every week and putting it in the mail Mm. so that his people would hear the word of God proclaimed, if not audibly, then on paper. And, You know, we've tried different technologies, we've tried different methods and times and places, and um, that grace has just been overwhelming. And then for me, it's also a reminder that um, God is not located Mm. in a particular place or building. Um, The first Sunday we had that stay-at-home order, um, I preached from my front porch, And the reason I did that is because I wanted there to be this visible reminder that God is everywhere. God is wherever we um, hit our knees and pray. God is wherever we seek him. And, um, And we can worship God at home. We can worship God in church. We can worship God in the parking lot in a drive-in service. Um, You know, we can worship God in so many different ways, and it doesn't have to be confined to that one particular style or place or time even, because a lot of people are watching five different services Mm -hmm. in a day, and they all happened at 11, but they're watching them at 9 and at 2 and whatever other time of day. So it's just been beautiful to see that too. One of the things that I've noticed is that uh, a lot of times churches get a bad reputation as, as being places that just don't want to change. Mm. But I'm not sure that was ever fair. I think it's a combination of natural human resistance to change coupled with intimidation of what the change may bring. In other words, a lot of times you'll hear someone say in church, um, that is a good idea, but I don't know if we can pull it off. That's a good idea, but I don't know if we have the people for that. That's a good idea, but I don't know if our people would accept that. You can I mean, insert whatever, whatever conditions you want. It's, it's something that happens a lot in churches. And one of the things that I've noticed in our church, and I thought about this while Aaron was talking because uh, Joshua Simmons does this worship thing with us on Thursday nights, and he sent me the set list, and that's why this is coming out now. But... A lot of times, you, you would not have got had a contemporary worship service meeting every Thursday night at our church. Mm-hmm. But then this happened. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the, a lot of the things that, that would usually, two months ago, be greeted with, that's not a bad idea, but we can't pull it off. Mm-hmm. Now, instead of saying, why can't we, we're saying, why, why not? not? Why not, yeah. 
Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, so that makes me wonder, and this is a qu open question for for all of you here: is uh, it, when when our churches mm, are not able to function, the, the the church building rather is not able to function the way it usually is. Where, what have you seen in your own churches, or what have you heard other churches doing to creatively use that space during this time? And Accord, as you said, having a, um, a contemporary worship service in uh, in the evenings has been one way. Have, have there been other ways that you've used the space differently um, during this time? So last week we at, uh, here at Plains United Methodist we did our first drive-in worship. Mm. So the um, our county sent out um, kind of guidelines and had about about how to do that safely um, but it was just it was weird and it was odd um, but it was really fun at the same time and so I'm excited to keep doing that um, and you know being able to do worship together even if a unusual way um, so. go ahead well, uh, just a, something that's happening at both Finchers and Mount Zion. So Finchers is having a drive-through baby shower for someone where there's only going to be contact between three people at any given moment and they're setting up a table for the, for the new mom and the parking lot and people can drive through and give their gift. Mm. Uh, and Mount Zion is having a baptism Sunday. Mm. And it's only going to be me and uh, my wife is going to uh, uh, video record it and live stream it. We'll have the family. It's uh, a mom and two kids. And we'll have a pian pianist and the pianist and one other person is their sponsor. So there will only be seven people present. And we'll social distance and we'll use masks. And the sacred business of the church will still go on. Well, thinking about creative ways to use these spaces that we have, Another thing that we don't often think of because it's just part of who we are around this table is worship, 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 service, 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 service. Um, but there are other ways beyond just church services to use these areas. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we do is, and this is not us doing it, but we're just the hosts. Uh, and so maybe this is a good time to plug Alan Mullinax because mental health at this time is an important part of of our holistic health if we're going to survive this especially being locked down and bored uh, we're going to need that so one of the things that we offer is a place for a counselor to come in and ah. to you out there if you need to get in touch with a counselor uh, you can give the church office a call at Canton First Baptist Church during the week and we'll let you know how to get in touch with him but downstairs they have a room called the parlor and he has a key and he comes in and meets with clients we don't know when he's going to have one uh, because I, I have asked don't tell us who you're meeting with <laughs> it's none of our business if the door is closed we'll assume you're in there um, so there's some anonymity there, um, but there's there's all I know that having a meeting space and finding a creative way to use it when you're not supposed to be meeting mm -hmm. is a little crazy. But humans have all kinds of needs, mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. uh, it's important to try to meet those needs. Something that just triggered that I just thought about too is um, my husband is a psychologist at Meridian. And um, one of the things that they are newly allowed to do is therapy through Zoom. Yeah. And so um, 
if you happen to have old smartphones or an old tablet that you don't use anymore and you'd be willing to wipe clean and donate it, there's so many um, people who um, need recovery groups, um, which are not meeting now because you can't meet in person. Um, they need to have contact with their therapist um, to maintain their own mental health. And so um, if you have those and would be willing to donate them, um, that way somebody could pull into the parking lot at the library and get on the Wi-Fi and um, meet with their therapist. Where should they take those? And if you don't have a place, I can offer, but if you have a place. So um, you can take them directly to Meridian Behavioral Health. Their office is behind um, the old school board office in Waynesville. Um, or... There's a mail slot, and all those devices are flat. So at the church, at Canton First Baptist Church, there's a, there's a mail slot in the office door. Now, I don't know how you can keep them from cracking, but it is carpeted on the inside. So <laughs> just if, if you want to put an old device that you want to get rid of through that mail slot, then that would I, I might put like some sort of a cushion down. Maybe put a, tie a piece of twine around just lower it down. <laughs> so you feel it. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to mention two uh, ways that our church is being used uh, creatively in this time. Uh, bef even before um, the suspension of public worship, um, Long's United Methodist Church has hosted resident artists in, in the space. And in this time, uh, there have been others who have contacted the church looking for a place, kind of a flex workspace, when they're not allowed to go into their office. Folks who are writers folks who just need a little bit of a break from being at home. And uh, we've tried to, uh, to make the church space available um, for, for people to come in and just have a quiet place to work um, if that's something they need to do. And I, I would encourage other churches to consider that use of space. It doesn't take much except for having somebody responsible for opening the church up and, and showing someone where they can work. Uh, and especially if your churches have Wi-Fi connection that... Uh, you know, the creatives among us who um, were not expecting to have all the kids at home um, uh, and, and need a place to, to quietly work on whatever it is, um, I feel like churches can be a good place uh, for that at this time. And it, just the final thing um, that I've seen is, uh, well, we usually have a rummage sale every year, and people have been doing a lot of spring cleaning in uh in in this time and as they've been looking around at what what's all in their homes um, so we've already started collecting for our su summer rummage sale but uh, just this week we had a family in our uh, congregation uh, experience a, a tragedy their their house actually burned mm -hmm. and so uh, we were quickly able to pivot and use the space uh, where we had been collecting the rummage sale uh, items as a place for folks to donate and, and, and spread out goods that they might be able to give to this family that's in need right now. And, uh, and you know, it's a shame that we're not able to meet in our spaces now, but as a way to sort of like locate and, and, um, and provide resources for families in, needs, I feel, in, in need, I feel like our church spaces can be, can be used in that way um, as, a, as sort of a site for... Uh, for collecting those goods um, or or for distributing like you said with uh, having the, the community kitchen um, truck here in the parking lot.
Is there anything that that family needs specifically that someone could get in touch with you at Long's or Crusoe United Methodist Churches to to donate if they have it? Mm -hmm. uh, that that would help. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it's it's really too early to tell exactly what the needs are, but if you have household goods um, or furniture that you think um, you would be ha happy to part with, uh, please call uh, the office 828-648-0380 and leave a message and I will get back to you. My name is Pastor Peter and uh, I'll get back to you and we can arrange a time for, for unlocking the church for you to put things in there. Now, if um, we don't know exactly what the full needs of the family are at this time. Um, so what we've, what we've said is that um, anything donated will be, it will be their first pick and anything else that, that, they, that they don't need will, be, um, go, will go into the rummage sale. And so uh, it will be made available at a very low price to to anybody else who comes in looking for things that, that are necessary for, for, their, for their homes. So if you have items that you'd like to donate, you can just call the church office and I will call you back and we can arrange a time for you to drop those things off. All right, so as we start to wrap things up, I just want to recap some of the things that we've talked about today. First, we had uh, Officer Taylor come in here and she, uh, she did, in my opinion, a great job Fabulous. of presenting the the situations that the police department is seeing and talking about some things that I never expected the effect of schools closing and mm -hmm. kids not being seen often by third parties that's a fairly important thing and I hope that it was informative and, and in a way we started talking about community there and as we moved we, we saw the church as a community in action in the book of Acts and since then we've been talking about mostly um, exciting changes that are going on in our communities and how we can be brothers and sisters to one another in the time of need. And so I feel good and I, I, I feel like I've been up, uplifted and I hope that you who are joining me and you, the eventual listener, uh, feel good as well. Uh, and I just want to say how thankful I am to live in this community mm -hmm. where people still care about each other and how thankful I am for a God who calls us to be community and to care for one another. Uh, that's about all the time that we have. And so uh, I'm going to let everybody go around the room and, and say how people can, because we are still preachers, uh, how people can connect to your worship services. I'm going to begin with Aaron, then James Marsh, then Peter Constantia, and then Ollie. Go ahead. So at Plains um, United Methodist, you can connect with us for worship on Facebook. Um, we're at Plains UMC Canton. Um, we have a website as well, um, plainsumc-canton.org. Um, and so you can contact us um, through either of those means. We're also having a Zoom Bible study on Thursday nights. Um, you can just call the church at 648-3464 if you would like to learn the login information for that or email the church. You can join Mount Zion United Methodist Church and Fincher's Chapel United Methodist Church at my personal uh, Facebook page, James Marsh. Uh, you can also see the uh, worship services at www.mountzionumc.info. And this is Peter Constantian from Long's and Crusoe United Methodist Church. Thanks so much for listening in today. Our services are uh, uh, streamed at 10.30 in the morning via Zoom and Facebook.
And I'm Court Green with Canton First Baptist. After you get done on Sunday mornings listening to Peter, you can click into your search box and type in Canton First Baptist Church. And when the place page comes up, we will have a, a live streaming event on Sundays at 11. That's our, our regular worship service. Of course, it looks a little different. Thank you so much for joining us. I, I appreciate this yet another way to reach out to people in our community. And I, I said it, I know, during our conversation, but I think it bears repeating. I love this community. I love being able to minister to you, all of you guys, and I hope that you are doing well. Stay safe and know that you are cared for.